Please turn with me to Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Last few weeks we have taken a little bit of a break with the Christmas season focusing on the incarnation of our Savior Jesus Christ, God Himself stepping into humanity. And that's the foundation of our faith, amen? (laughs) That God with us sacrificed all to save us. Wow, that's an amazing thing to remember, amen? So now let's go back to Matthew's Gospel as we have been this year. And we have been in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel for most of this year, actually. Uh, And so now, beginning in 2021, a new Sunday, a new year, a new day. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 7, and this is the last section, the last third of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I think today's passage from Jesus is very timely. So if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you today for your word. And as we begin a new year of our calendar, Lord, you are a God of new beginnings. You are a God of of forgiveness and renewal. And so, God, I pray right now that as as we listen to you speak to us in your word, that you would cause us to be new, that you would illuminate within us those things which hinder our relationship with you. And if judging others is part of that illumination, where we are focused on everyone else's sin and not our own, Lord, that you would show us where we fail you, and Lord, that you would forgive us and cleanse us. And so, God, let this hour be for you. Let this time of of reading your word and listening to you speak to us be a time where you change us, because you're worthy of our attention, you're worthy of, of, of our worship. And so, God, let this time be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. I did forget uh, to ask, are there any children who need to be dismissed at this time, or are they going to stay in today? They're going to stay in. Okay, well, amen. We always love our kiddos in the church service, amen? Amen. We love them, love them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, these words of Jesus, Judge not that you be not judged. An amazing passage, often misinterpreted, often misapplied, especially, you know who, you know who mostly takes this passage out of context? It's the the non-Christian who takes this passage out of context. How dare you judge me, Christian? Amen. But can we also admit that oftentimes we as Christians fail and we misapply this passage as well by passing judgment on non-Christians without passing judgment on ourselves. So in in one one sense, non-Christians are wrong in throwing this back in our face. But then on the other hand, God who is holy and righteous will use non-Christians to wake us up to our own sin too. Amen? 
We don't like it when people point out our faults. I'm the first one to throw this back at people. You can't judge me. Look at what you do wrong. Anybody do that? So as we begin a new year here in 2021, I think it's an appropriate time to read this passage in such a way as to look forward to a new year. How do we approach the coming months? How do we approach the coming months? Now, I keep hearing on the news media and, 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 and everything that 2020 was such a horrible year. Now, was there a lot of turmoil and, and chaos and uncertainty? Sure. But you know what? I don't know about you. Personally, I, 2020 was pretty good for me. I actually came out of 2020 uh, in better shape than I was at the beginning. I was calmer. My, my schedule was more under control. Uh, financially, we actually had money in the bank in December. Hallelujah. Can, I, can family say amen to that? Hallelujah. 2021 is no different. It's a new year. It's a future that we look forward to. And, and when we pass judgment, the act of judging can be one of looking forward to. How do we judge the coming year? Are we going to judge 2021 like we did 2020? Are we, we're going to, I think we can't avoid it. Sometimes we do compare things. Maybe 2021 will be so awesome in comparison to 2020. No matter what happens, we say hallelujah. I don't know. But this act of looking forward is also an act of judgment. Whether this new year is going to be prosperous or whether this new year is going to be bankrupt. And if you did not eat your black-eyed peas and hog jowls, I'm just telling you what 2021 is going to be for you. It's going to be bankrupt. Just saying. Amen. We have several folks in our congregation who are not originally from Tennessee. Let me just tell you, we know how to do things. If you've not, I mean, it's not too late to start. You can get you, I've got a pot of black-eyed peas at home. I'll share them with you if you desire. It's okay. Amen? But Jesus here, let's think about this. He, he takes a look at us in this Sermon on the Mount. He's trying to teach us what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, right? And oftentimes, as, as human beings, we look upon others and judge whether or not they're going to be successful. Parents, we do this to our kids all the time. We pass judgment on our kids and say, you will never be whatever. Or we pass judgment on our kids and we may blindly say, oh, you're the greatest kid in the world when actually the kid is as rotten as ever. We pass judgment, don't we? We pass judgment on our family. We pass judgment on our coworkers. We pass judgment on our neighbors, whether they're going to be, whether their behavior is going to change or not. And Jesus here, I think, when he comes to this part of his sermon, he says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's, he's pointing out something important for the citizen of the kingdom to know. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, our judgment begins from somewhere else, not within us. So he continues here looking at this point of, if you want to be a citizen of my kingdom, here is what it looks like. And the previous two chapters, chapters 5 and chapter 6 in Matthew, remind us that the citizen of the kingdom lives in a different way than the fallen world. If you get nothing else from the Sermon on the Mount, get this. The citizen of the kingdom of heaven lives a different way than the world does. 
Doesn't mean that we manufacture this behavior. It, our, our actions, our thinking, our, the way we live, the way we choose to live is exactly defined by and guided by God's providential hand through the forgiveness and the redemption of his son, Jesus Christ. That is what allows us and sets us apart from the world and it causes us to live differently. If the world judges you, Christians act differently. That's why. And so the ethics, it's really, much of the Sermon on the Mount is actually a study in moral behavior. <laughs> but it's not moral behavior that we, we manufacture, it's moral behavior that is the result of redemption. And so the ethics or the morality of the Christian life does involve how we live with one another, how we live with the world. And this passage here in Matthew chapter 7, I think, reminds us that the outstanding citizen of the kingdom is one who lives in harmony with others. But most notably, we live in harmony by not interfering with another by means of being nosy, <laughs> right? Not focusing our, our attention on others' business without warrant. Now, there may be a point where you need to pay attention to somebody else's business. Like last night. We were just taking, we were just minding our own business in our living room last night. And what do I hear outside? We live in a peaceful area. What do I hear outside? Thump, 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 thump. Music. In the middle of the night, I'm going, and we just, I just sat there and listened to it. And I, I was trying to just ignore it, but it just kept going. I said, that's unusual for our neighborhood. So I go out and on my front porch, I became one of the nosy neighbors. <laughs> I wanted to know where the thump thump music was coming from. And there was this truck parked in front of our house with the windows rolled down, thump, 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 looking for some, I guess it was one of these delivery people delivering food or something. Well, they left, but it, I, had to, I had to pay attention. What was going on in front of my house? Now, there are times it warrants you need to be nosy, but you need to have a reason. Most of the time, we stick our nose in people's business for no reason whatsoever. There is no warrant for us to pay attention to what other people are doing. We just want to be nosy. Anybody guilty of that? Some people are honest. Some people are not. Amen. And so we have to think here, it seems that some people cannot keep their noses out of other people's business. And the Christian, the citizen of the kingdom is called by Jesus himself. Keep your nose out of other people's business, unless it's necessary. And we're going to look at that here in just a little bit. So no matter what you say or do, let's think about this. There are some people who they just cannot keep their noses out of your business. Anybody got somebody like that? They want to know everything about your business. And then no matter what you say or do, there's criticism. Does anybody know that? Your clothes don't satisfy them. Your choice of food is never right. Your political views, oh, Lord, have mercy. Amen? And if your political views don't line up with them, then they don't want anything to do with you. Until they want to criticize you, then they want a lot to do with you. Amen? You see where we're headed here? 2020 showed us, if nothing else, that we want to judge others, even for their political views. There's a caution there. Amen? It seems that the relationships between people can often be built upon 
difficult terms because one person or maybe both people in the relationship, they pass judgment on each other simply to be difficult with you. Amen? If nothing you do or say makes them happy, then you should ask, can I ever be happy? Because they seem to want to control whether or not you're happy. And they want to pass judgment on whether or not you're happy because you're not in alignment with what they think is happiness. And so they want to pass judgment on you or others. In other words, if the one who passes judgment is never happy with you, then should you ever dare to be happy? That's kind of what we're dealing with here. When we're passing judgment on others, when we're sticking our nose in other people's business, we're judging them based on our perception of what is right and happy and good. Well, you're not doing it the way I do it, so let me tell you how. Amen? Been there, done that? So what is at the root of one's judgment of somebody else? And and all that makes you happy is the fact that this judgmental person is rarely happy themselves. If, If someone is nosy and they're in your business, just honestly think about that person. Are they ever happy with anything? And then they're coming to you and being nosy. Now, as you're hearing this, you're probably saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm always in somebody else's business, and, and I really want to make sure that they're happy, and I want to tell them what they need to do to be happy. And I want to ask you to stop and think, are you ever happy if you're the one passing judgment on others? I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see here as well. So what is at the root of one's judgment of another? It's the fact that this person's rarely happy themselves. And if they cannot be happy, they want to ensure that no one else is happy either, really, is what's happening when we're passing judgment. Perhaps the only real solution to a relationship like this with a difficult person is to not relate to them at all. After all, what that person says to you and about you is always negative and poisonous. Right? Normal people know that poison kills. And when we stick our nose in other people's business and pass judgment on every little thing, that's a poison in the relationship. That's a poison in how we get along. And I think Jesus is going to try to get us to see this as well. Let's look here at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Jesus continues with this address of, he's really, here's what he's addressing. He's addressing the judgmental Pharisees here. Right? And the religious elite of his day. That's, that's the common theme from chapter five, six, and in, now into seven. Jesus is addressing the pharisaical attitudes of the day. The ones who had authority, quote unquote, to pass judgment on the poor people. The commoners. Matthew chapter seven, verses one through five is a passage in this Sermon on the Mount that addresses not what one thinks or says about another person, but I think instead it focuses and teaches that one must learn to focus on your own standing before God the Father rather than worrying about other people so much. I'll let that sink in for a minute. What Jesus is trying to get us to see here in verses 1 through 5 is that the focus is between you and the Father in heaven first and foremost Your relationship with other people comes second. Let's look here at verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Simple words. And so these words of Jesus do not intend to place a moratorium upon all forms of judgment. Like non-believers will throw this back at us and say, how dare you judge me? Jesus says, don't you judge. 
That's not what Jesus means here. He's not, he's not placing a moratorium upon all forms of judgment. Jesus is not saying, as a citizen of the kingdom, you do not pass judgment. We pass judgment every day. We practice judgment when we judge the weather. Some of you are sitting in here with coats on because you say it's freezing in this room. Other people are saying, man, it's hot in this room. We're passing judgment. We judge the foods that we eat. Some of you, when I mentioned the wonderful hog jowls and black-eyed peas for New Year's Day, we're going, ugh. Now, in my mind, I'm going, yeah. We pass judgment. We judge the clothes that we wear. We judge the entertainment that we consume. We judge the type of people that we associate with. So judgment, we pass judgment all day long. It's part of what we need to do to live. But there seems to be a natural disease here in the sinful human being that affects all of us. And these words here in Matthew 7 are intended to be the cure. What's that disease? We all tend to flatter ourselves while we strongly censure or condemn others. Amen? That's the disease. So why do we tend to do this? Why do we tend to flatter ourselves, lift ourselves up, while we strongly condemn others. I can remember as a child pointing out blame to my brother or sister whenever my parents were getting on to me about something. Y'all ever been guilty of that? Right? Uh, I would say, Mom, but look at Michelle. She's my baby sister. She never did anything wrong. You know, the baby's, the baby of the family is always innocent. And so, whenever my mother would get on me, I would say, but mom, look at Michelle. She didn't have to clean her plate. Why do I still have to sit here and eat? Right? Well, she's the baby. You see, we, we pass blame upon others. We get it naturally from our youngest years, don't we? This is the disease we have. We want to lift ourselves up while we condemn others. So let's take a look here, Matthew 7 verses 2 through 4. Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. Now let's take a look here, verses 2 through 4. For what the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Jesus is pointing out the problem here. We are too prone to look at other people's faults while we ignore our own. Are we all guilty of this? Amen? Jesus now gets to the root of the sin problem. The root, the sin of passing judgment is the fact that we're not fair in the judgment. That's the issue. We often wish to judge others and their actions that honestly match our own sinful attitudes. Here's the problem. If you really pay attention to... If, if you're one of these people who are a busybody and you're a nosy person, or you know somebody who is, and if you really stop and ponder what they're pointing out, they're pointing out faults in other people that are really faults of their own. Why do parents judge their children? Why do they punish their children? It's because generally the children are doing something that they're doing themselves. The parents look, the parents see themselves in their children. And they see bad behavior in their children, but honestly, parents, if we were honest with ourselves, that's how we act. And so we pass judgment on our kids. 
Jesus is saying here, look at yourself first rather than looking at others all the time. Rather than, rather than judge our own hearts and attitudes, what we do, we see ourselves in the sin of others and we divert the attention away from ourselves hoping to avoid judgment. Can we say amen to that? Am I hitting home here for us? Are we all guilty? Amen. Far too often the truth is that our sin is actually much greater than the sin of our brother or sister. That seems to grab so much attention. Usually our sin is actually worse. That's why we want to point out the sin of others so that we don't have to deal with our own. Amen. I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see here. Let's look here at verses 2 through 4. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Jesus is making a pretty uh, clear point here. If you judge other people, just be ready that you're going to be, you're going to be judged in the exact same measure, in the exact same weight as you judge other people. Probably worse. Verse three. Then now he lays out the point. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Verse three is very important. That really shows the imbalance here of the sin that we are trying to point out in other people. Usually, what other people are doing wrong is minuscule compared to what we are doing wrong. Amen? Jesus makes the truth here. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, he's clearly directing this to the Pharisaical attitudes of the day. The Pharisees were elite religious people who were as sinful as really worse than anybody else. What makes them more sinful is the fact that they, had, they, they claim not to be sinful. But they want to judge everybody else. But why? Because they, they want to see themselves in a position of authority. They want to see themselves in a position of looking down upon others. And that's what we do when we're judging other people. We can clearly take on the pharisaical attitude here that Jesus is pointing out. I have authority to pass judgment upon you. Oh, but don't you dare judge me. Jesus is pointing out here in verse 3 the imbalance. Your sin is as big as a log compared to the speck or the dust that is in somebody else. You see the, you see the language he's using here? Our sin is so much weightier than other sin yet we want to focus on their minor problems rather than our own. What Jesus is saying here is focus on yourself. Look here, verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own? You can't see clearly to help someone else with their problem, when you are blinded by the weight of the sin that is in your life. You're not willing to look at it. You're not willing to to reveal it yourself. You're not wanting it to be seen, so you're blinded in your eyes trying to help somebody else with a little bit of dirt in theirs. You see what Jesus is saying here? Far too often the truth is that our sin is much greater, but we don't want to pay attention to it. Now, Jesus really drives home the point here in verse 5. He loves this term in the Gospels. You hypocrite. We know what the word hypocrite means. Uh, In the context of what we see it, hypocrite is that term of you are a liar. You are faking your 
honesty here. You're, you're not who you really think you are. If you think that you're holy and authoritative in passing judgment, the hypocrite is the one who has a false facade. There's some other truth deeper within them. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Here in verse 5, Jesus gives us the answer to our judgment problem. Right? Jesus gives us the answer here in verse 5 to our sin problem in passing judgment on people. He says, first take the log out of your own eye. In other words, first deal with your sin. Then and only then will you see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Deal with your sin first. Then and only then can you honestly, compassionately, lovingly deal with Someone else's sin. Because when we are, when we have this weight of sin in our hearts, trying to pass judgment on somebody else, it is never compassionate. It's never loving. It's never Christ-like, is it? It's harsh. It's critical. And so Jesus is, the words of verse 5 are, are, are firm, but I think the words of verse 5 are also very loving. First, take the log out of your own eye. In other words, first, come before the throne of heaven and deal with your own sin. That's Jesus' plea in this text. He's preaching a sermon on forgiveness and repentance. Deal with your own sin first. Then and only then do you even have the right or the authority to look at anybody else. In other words, before we can honestly help our brothers or sisters in dealing with their sin, we must first be honest with the Father in heaven to reveal and deal with our sin. How is sin dealt with? Only God the Father can grant forgiveness of sin. Through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, can our sin be cleansed. Period. Amen? So now we're getting to see at the root of this problem is the, is the idea of authority and power. Who has the, who has the authority and the power to pass judgment? Clearly, Jesus is making the point that we don't have the authority to pass judgment without the cleansing power of Jesus' blood over our sin first. And who, who can deal with our sin? We don't have the authority to deal with our own sin. Amen? That's the problem we've got here. We don't have the authority to deal with the log in our eyes. Who has the authority and the power? It's our Savior, Jesus Christ Himself. He's the only one with the authority and the power to first pass judgment on our sin, and more importantly, He has the authority and the power to deal with it. So what are we doing when we pass judgment on our brothers and sisters without dealing with our own sin? What are we doing? We are elevating ourselves to the level of idolatry. We're, le- we're, we're, we're elevating ourselves to the level uh, and the power and the authority of Christ himself and Father in heaven. You see the sin problem of passing judgment? It's more than just being critical. It's we are elevating ourselves to the level of Christ. We are elevating ourselves to the level of God the Father who has the authority and the power to first reveal our sin, but then the authority and the power to deal with it. Amen? So Jesus is making the point that since we do not have the authority to pass judgment without the cleansing power of Jesus, 
No one has the authority to pass judgment on our sin except Jesus Himself. That's the point He's making here. Now, other places in Scripture bring this point out, this idea of authority to judge and the authority to deal with sin. Only the Father in heaven and His Son, Jesus Christ, can judge sin. Psalm chapter 7, verses 6-8 through eight says this, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me, you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Those are the words of David. The Lord judges the peoples. And you cry out to the Lord, judge me, O Lord. How do we deal with the logs in our own eyes? It's the words of David in Psalm 7. We look to the Father in heaven. We say, dear Father, judge me. And whenever we pass judgment, there is a standard that we measure. And so what David is saying here in Psalm 7 is, judge me, O Lord, how? Here's the measurement. According to my righteousness. Now, if we did that, If our level of righteousness was the standard by which God judges us, we're condemned. Amen? So through the blood of Christ, our righteousness, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, this is what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness that you will be measured by is my righteousness, the one that cleanses you of your sin. Because if it was up to us, we would fail. According to the integrity that is within us, according to David's psalm, that's what we cry out to the Lord, judge me according to this. Now, if we're honest, we'll fail that judgment every time. Isaiah the prophet also speaks about the Lord's judgment here. He sheds light on God's authority to pass judgment. He says in Isaiah chapter 33, verses 21 and 22, he says this, but there... The Lord in majesty will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Those are the words of Isaiah chapter 33 verse 22. If God is our judge, He judges us by a standard, and that standard is His law. That standard is His commands. And because of that, who gives the law? Who develops the commands? It's always the king, the one with the highest authority. And so the highest authority, the king himself, who is the lawgiver and the judge of all, he is the one who can pass condemnation. He is also the one who can pass salvation. Amen? Those are the words of Isaiah. Now, we'll close with this, but Matthew chapter 7 has a parallel passage in Luke's gospel. Luke does address this passage as well. In Luke chapter 7, verses 37 to 38, here's what Luke's account of this sermon says. Luke says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. 
Luke's account of Jesus' words here show us exactly how Christ deals with us as well. Just as Jesus himself judges us, condemns us, and forgives us, is exactly the same attitude that we relay to others. If we are citizens of the kingdom, we reflect the same judgment that we received from Christ. We reflect that same judgment upon others. God judged me. He found me guilty. He saved me. And He forgave me. I will do the same for you. You see what Jesus is saying here? Because if we, at the root of our sin problem on passing judgment, is that we ignore what we are dealing with ourselves, and we want to substitute the judgment that we deserve with judging others and pointing out their faults so that we are blind to our own. At the root of Jesus' teaching here on judgment is not that we're to avoid passing judgment. Parents, please, pass judgment on your children's behavior. But do so in the same manner that God the Father passed judgment on your behavior. If you're an employer, if you're a manager, you have people underneath you that you're responsible for. You have to pass judgment on their work performance. Just as God passes judgment on your work performance in the kingdom, use the same measure to others. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. And what Jesus is pointing out to us here is that if we have received forgiveness, then we're to forgive others too. Just as we're treated by God the Father and the Son, we're to treat others the same. That's a deep, deep reminder of our standing before the Father in heaven if we are citizens of the kingdom, genuine citizens of the kingdom. We are called to behave a certain way and we reflect God's behavior to us, to others. Amen? Mark, come on forward. Now I'm going to transition to a time of worship at the Lord's table. We do this the first Sunday of every month. And oh, what a beautiful time to do this, the first Sunday of a new year. Amen? And so let us remember, in this act of worship, this partaking of the communion elements, the bread and the juice, let's remember how Christ dealt with us. That's what this is. We come to this table in a time of remembrance. It's a time that really should humble us. It's a time that should cause us to be uh, thankful and grateful for the forgiveness that is granted us, amen, and the cost that it was. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 guides us in how we do our approach the Lord's table. He tells us in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. But he says here in verse 27, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See the idea of judgment even here? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I want to ask that as the elements are being passed and as Mark plays as an accompaniment, that you would use this time of prayer and meditation. Discern your soul. Discern your presence before the Lord. Amen. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for this privilege of just standing before your throne. Dear Jesus, you've given us this gift of communion together. As we gather as your body, you give us opportunity to reflect on our relationship and our connection to you and to the Father in heaven. Father, we, we, we stop and we give you thanks for the sacrifice of your Son. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. All because of our sin. And so God, I pray at this moment you would use this time to speak to each of us individually and corporately. How do we relate to one another? How do we relate to you? Our sins are forgiven, but are there sins that need to be revealed? Lord, please take this time for your glory to work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Paul reminds us about that night that Jesus was with his disciples, At the end of the supper, when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for who? You. Do this in remembrance of me. Please stand. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. There's an amazing thing after judgment and forgiveness. 
Seems like a new beginning. Amen? This new covenant in the blood of Christ is what we're remembering. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, what are we doing? We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please partake. Amen. Amen. Are all hearts clear? God bless you.